Hello? Can you hear me okay? Right. I'm not a very good speaker, so I'll just do my best here anyway. Okay. Pastor Matt asked me a few weeks ago to, to talk on what does the cross mean to me? To me, the cross is a symbol of what Jesus did for me and for every person who has been and ever will be born. When I think of the cross, I think of love, hope, and pain. The pain I'm talking about is firstly the mental pain Jesus suffered even before he went to the cross. The mental torture Jesus would have went through in the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing the death he was about to receive would have been truly harrowing. Then there was a physical pain of Jesus being beaten to a pulp and then nailed to a cross. No film made or words can truly do justice to the pain Jesus endured. Although Jesus asked God to save him from his impending pain, Jesus also expressed his full submission to his Father's will. Jesus knew what had to be done, and because of his unconditional love for us, he was more than willing to go through all of this. In the early 1980s, I was a member of the Ulster Defence Regiment in County Fermanagh. There were quite a few men in that area that lost their lives to Republican terrorists. They paid a huge price in the defence of their country. Without taking anything away from these very brave men who lost their lives, Jesus Christ made the ultimate sacrifice for mankind. The crucifixion along with the resurrection are the most important dates in the history of this world. Our minds can't comprehend how much Jesus loves us. I am just so grateful that Jesus did this for me. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross provides hope which allows myself to live each day with the hope of one day rejoicing eternally in God's presence. I am totally undeserving, but he thought I was worth it and the only answer I need. Jesus died for sinners like me who'd lost their way. He did not die because it was forced upon him. It was a choice made in love. Romans 5, 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The cross is a symbol of death and hope all at the same time. Jesus died and rose from the dead. Likewise, our old nature must die so that we can live as a brand new creation in Christ. Without the shedding of Jesus' blood on Calvary's cross, we will be lost forever. Our salvation is by faith in him and him alone. When Jesus died on that cross, he won victory over the powers of darkness. We can never thank Jesus enough for what he done for us on Good Friday. When Pastor Matt asked me to share a few words on what the cross meant to me, I thought of words like love, hope, sacrifice, etc. But the one word that sticks out in my mind is everything. The cross means everything to me. Without Jesus dying on that cross, we would have nothing. It is so important as Christians we remember the sacrifice he made for us. And I know in this church we do that on a weekly basis through communion. Whatever we do won't ever be enough. But for Jesus Christ, it's enough if we invite him into our hearts and change our lives to be more like him. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The cross of Jesus is more than a sign. It is a proof of your redemption and adoption. Christ crucified is both Christ crucified is both wisdom of God and the power of God. The cross will forever remain the center of life in the spirit and on, the, on this earth. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me and giving me life.
Church, if you all want to stand as we join in worship.
Lord, we give you all the glory, Lord. We thank you for what Rob had to share about your ultimate sacrifice, God, and what it means to us as your followers, God. I pray for the rest of our service you'd be with us and we would be reminded of the message of your cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, if you want to watch, it's going to be a short video just before our pastor comes to bring the word. Without the preaching of the cross, without preaching the cross to ourselves all day and every day, we will very, very quickly revert to faith plus works as the ground of our salvation. So that to go to the old uh, Fort Lauderdale question, if you were to die tonight and, and, and you were getting entry into heaven, what would you say? If you answer that, and if I answer it in the first person, we've immediately gone wrong. Because I, because I believed, because I have faith, because I am this, because I am continuing. Loved ones, the only proper answer is in the third person, because he, because he. Think about the thief on the cross. And what an immense, I can't, I, I can't wait to find that fellow one day to ask him, how did that shake out for you? Because you were, you were, you were, you were cussing the guy out with your friend. You've never been in a Bible study. You've never got baptized. You, never, you didn't know a thing about church membership. And, and, yet, and yet, you made it. You made it. How did you make it? That's what the angel must have said. You know, like, what are you doing here? Well, I don't know. What, what do you mean you don't know? Well, because I, I don't know. Well, you know, we, uh, did, Excuse me, let me get my supervisor. They go get the supervisor ranger. So, wait, just a few questions for you. First of all, are you, are you, are you, are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? Actually, I've never heard of it in my life. And, and what about, let's just go to the doctrine of scripture immediately. This guy's just staring. And eventually in frustration, he says, on, on what basis are you here? And he said, the man on the middle cross said, I can come. Now, now, that's the, that is the only answer. That is the only answer. And if I don't preach the gospel to myself all day and every day, then I will find myself beginning to trust myself, trust my experience, which is part of my fallenness as a man. If I take my eyes off the cross, I can then give only lip service to its efficacy, while at the same time living as if my salvation depends upon me. And as soon as you go there, it will lead you either to abject despair or a horrible kind of arrogance. And it is only the cross of Christ that deals both with the dreadful depths of despair and the pretentious arrogance of the pride of man that says, you know, I can figure this out and I'm doing wonderfully well. No, because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free for God that just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. That's why Luther said most of your Christian life is outside of you in this sense. 
that we know that we are not saved by good works. We're not saved as a result of our professions, but we're saved as a result of what Christ has achieved. Good evening. Thank you for being here tonight. I know some of you are sitting there thinking, just carry on with the video. We don't need to listen to Pastor. And he says, you can get that on YouTube. That's one of my favorite speakers, uh, Dr. Alistair Begg there. And I just thought he just, it is our final, um, our final sermon in the journey to the cross. It's number eight. And we've tried to answer uh, some questions over the journey uh, to the cross that Jesus made. And I know Easter uh, has come and gone, but it hasn't really because, you know, the effect of what Jesus Christ did is still there uh, for everybody to see, to believe. And so we come tonight and we look at the story of the cross. So in particular, what one of the stories on the cross of the, the thief on the cross. And, and we've tried to look at different aspects of uh, this journey that Jesus went on over uh, these past uh, uh, over these past uh, sort of four weeks in the morning and the evening service and so we've probably come to the most challenging one now uh, because somebody wrote this and I thought I'm just going to read it out as it is word for word uh, so I didn't write it but somebody wrote it but I, don't, I haven't got who wrote it it says this how does a thief on the cross fit into your theology no baptism, no communion, no confirmation, no speaking in tongues, no mission trip, no volunteering, no church clothes. He couldn't even bend his knees to pray. He didn't say the sinner's prayer. And among other things, he was a thief. That's how he's known. Jesus didn't take away his pain, didn't heal his body or smite the scoffers. Yet it was a thief who walked into heaven the same hour as Jesus simply by believing he had nothing more to offer other than his belief that Jesus was who he said he was no spin from brilliant theologians no ego or arrogance no shiny lights skinny jeans or crafty words no smoke machine donuts or coffee in the entrance just a naked dying man on a cross unable to even fold his hands to pray for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I read this today and I was reminded of the simplicity of the gospel. And the person who wrote that obviously writes it with some challenge in it. Uh, because there were some things that you look at, at what Jesus said and there were some things you think to yourself, well Jesus never really had to do anything here. The purpose had been fulfilled. Uh, he had gone to the cross, he had paid the price, he had shed his blood, uh, he had done all of that. Uh, and yet there is a story on the cross that illustrates the mercy and the grace of God uh, probably far better than any other story. And this story is mentioned in all four Gospels. And it, the title is obviously, there's no other title to give the man other than the thief on the cross. There were, there were two on the cross there were two criminals either side of Jesus and Jesus hung on the middle cross uh, willing and able to take the punishment and the penalty that everybody deserved but obviously the other two criminals were there they were condemned to die for their crimes 
And the crimes must have been serious because, you know, crucifixion, as we looked at uh, in another Sunday, was reserved for those uh, who had committed the worst of crimes. Uh, there were three crosses, there were three men, and two needed salvation, and, but only one could provide it. And the story is, comes before us in these verses in uh, Luke chapter 23, because uh, as we finish this series tonight, we can only really talk about the grace of God. Uh, we can only talk about the grace that there is in the death of his son, Jesus Christ. Because there is an aspect of this that we would look at and say, you know, well, he only died for the, the, the good people or the religious people or those who weren't so bad, but they sort of get in and, and that. And yet this story blows all of that out of the water. It blows a lot of our theology out of the water. It blows a lot of my theology out of the water uh, because, you know, there is an unfairness in it. You know, almost like a deathbed confession that we would look at and say, well, he's lived his life any way he wanted to. I mean, let's face the reality. Let, let's be human about this and real. He has lived his life any way he wanted. He's hurt people. He's committed crimes. He's done all this stuff wrong. And yet at the last moment of his life, with only a few breaths remaining, he says he's, he's there on a cross next to Jesus. And Jesus doesn't have to do anything. Everything has really been fulfilled. There's actually nothing in this that we would look at and say, you know, well, you know, it has to do this because it fulfills something. It, there is nothing else to be fulfilled. Jesus has gone to the cross, so it challenges us because we're human. And there is an unfairness sometimes in this and, uh, that we look at and say, well, how does he wait to the end? And he, he does this. But th there are some things that we can learn here from this story. And it's appropriate to finish this journey with this story. Because there are stories of the cross. The four people that have shared over the last four weeks, we've heard their stories. There are others that have got stories. Because the cross is central to our faith. Uh, to the history of mankind, to civilization itself. But these words say in Luke 23, verse 32, it says, Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said he saved others, let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. The other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. And this is probably there in the last verse, few verses, we get the recognition uh, of, of what this man had recognized in the savior of the world hanging on the cross next to him and and he actually teaches us some lessons in the last moments of his life as he accepts and asks Jesus and simply that prayer uh, two words often our prayers can be long 
Uh, they can be long-winded, they can be misunderstood, and we can try and impress God with big words. Uh, he just prays this tremendous prayer of two words. Remember me. I mean, what a great prayer. Remember me. And he says he's almost like the last chance saloon. It would be beyond last chance saloon, in a sense. And he just simply prays that prayer. Because the words that scripture uses to describe this man, we need to understand how bad they are. We need to understand why they were crucified. Uh, because all the words that are used in the gospels can be translated as thieves, robbers, criminals, revolutionaries, rebels, violence. Uh, these people were considered beyond Rome's control. And execution by crucifixion served as a reminder to others who would behave that way to say this is what will happen to you if you do behave that way and so we know from previous weeks and history that, that the Roman citizens and others were excused this type of uh, judgment this type of uh, cruel and torturous form that was happening uh, but Rome used it freely with slaves and lower classes and those deemed a menace to the Roman rule which Jesus was as well because he rebelled he was rebelling and in a sense against the order of the day and stuff even though he was innocent and stuff they decided this was the best way to deal with Jesus Christ and how wrong they were but there is something that teaches us uh, something that helps us and Max Lucado says this he says mercy forgave the thief on the cross grace escorted him to paradise the minute we begin to understand grace we lose sight of what God has done for us at the cross. We lose sight of actually, uh, this is the unfairness, or this is, is this, is this right? Is this, is this the way it should be? But that's where grace steps in, unfortunately. And we would like to understand it, but it's like coming to the explanation uh, of something that you want to say to people. And when you try and explain to them about the cross and what Jesus has done, there is a wall that we hit, uh, and the wall is grace because it's completely unmerited favor it's completely uh, dependent upon what God has done and nothing that that we could have done because uh, you know I can't earn it you know it would be amazing if we could you know work for it or it's amazing if we could do something and all of us have been in that position probably before where we gave our lives over to God thinking actually you know what, if I could just pay for this in some way if I could do something that sort of helped me to receive the benefit of what Christ Jesus did for me and we come to that brick wall and the brick wall is always grace uh, and it's obvious here and illustrated best here in the, in the thief on the cross because mercy forgave the thief on the cross grace escorted him to paradise and us as theologians will throw some things in and say well you know should he have to answer for his crime should he have to you know give an explanation for the, the the way that he lived was it because of his upbringing was it because of the way people treated him and we will add on questions and simply it is the greatest illustration of the mercy of God and the grace of God that actually there isn't anything that he, he could have done there isn't anything that he could have worked for but he does do some things here but I, I realise something else here, that this is a, a wonderful picture of the love that Christ had for the thief on the cross as well. Because we remember as Jesus is hanging there, this must have been, uh, it must have been excruciatingly painful for him to utter the words that he did. Because you've got to remember as you're hung there on the cross with the nails through his wrists and through his ankles, he had to push himself up just to breathe. 
Can you imagine the excruciating pain of not, not just pushing himself up to breathe, but also to speak those words as well? Not words that, that in a sense cast these fellas out because they were casting him and we all would have been there in a sense and thought, well actually at this point Jesus, you have the right to say to these two fellas, you know, shut up, you know, be quiet. Don't, don't say speak to me, don't say anything to me. Don't, you know, don't you curse me out Well, I'm going to give you a bit of what you have got. Jesus doesn't respond that way. Father, forgive them, but they don't know what they're doing. And he doesn't just utter that over the soldiers. It's utterance over mankind itself. You know, Father, forgive them. He says a father holds off to see what is going on, what his son is doing. So he says in Hebrews, he who endured this, endured this for the joy set before him. There was no joy in the cross. I mean, it was a vicious, barbaric way for somebody to die. The joy wasn't there. The joy was knowing that this was the path for mankind to be rescued and redeemed. And I thought, isn't that so powerful that that was the joy that was set before Christ Jesus uh, here at this point. But he pushes himself up. And you know, they both began their time on the cross by mocking and blaspheming Jesus as the spectators did on the ground as they looked up. You know, one of the thieves did respond in faith in a sense, but the other thief rejected Jesus. And I think that's, that's remarkable that he rejects him because he knows he's going to die. There's no other way here. And in a sense, you know, the thief that does accept Jesus and prays and says, remember me, you would have thought the other thief would have done that because it's almost like there's nothing else he can do. He's never coming off that cross alive. And even if, he, even if by some miracle he thought that he would, well, he would die from his wounds anyway. And so therefore, why did he not cry out? Why did he not, you know, scream? And you think to yourself, we ask ourselves the question sometimes as we look at this story of the thieves on the cross, uh, well, why do some people reject? Why do some people reject Jesus as a saviour? Well, the other thief is a classic example, isn't it? He's actually crucified next to the saviour of the world. He witnesses the very events that we sing about, that we preach about, that we remember when we come round the table. He, he, he witnesses that and still rejects Jesus. So are we surprised when people hear the message and see the message uh, and people share with them the message? We should not be surprised that people reject the message because they reject the man because the other thief, his story was he rejected the man, Jesus, when he had the opportunity to accept him. But see, not only was the other thief the one who accepted, uh, he, he, he simply knew that, that assurance that he simply, almost in a sense, he had heard about Jesus. Because he simply said, this man is innocent. Now, we don't know. We've got to go a little bit beyond here. But, you know, he said, makes a great statement. He said, this man's done nothing wrong. And he says the most wonderful thought, which we understand where grace comes in. He says, we're getting what we deserve. I mean, we're getting the punishment that I deserve. That had Jesus not done what he did, the punishment and the penalty for my sin and all the things I've done wrong would be rightfully mine. There would be nothing I could do. And in a sense, you know, he, he says this, he says, he says, uh, and whether he's heard about Jesus as he travels around, whether he hears about, you know, people because of things that have happened, he, he simply says, he says, we're getting what we deserve. This man is innocent. So recognition there of who Jesus 
was of what he'd done and he'd done that uh, and you know and though Jesus is hanging there with the transgressors he says we learn some stuff here from the thief on the cross most importantly that we are sinners in need of a saviour and here we come to this point where we look at it and we hit that brick wall of grace where we say how does this pan out for us you know I mean how does this work out these people let's be honest there they could have murdered people they could have been violent against people ruined people's lives and they come to the end point in his life one rejects but one simply prays that prayer and simply says remember me and I always say this to people as long as someone still has a mind and the will to choose life over death it's not too late to proclaim the gospel Jesus was hanging on the cross paying our penalty for sin he made a promise to a dying repentant thief by the grace and the power of Christ he kept that promise what a promise to keep what a promise to keep thief's sins were washed away uh, and so I remember hearing somebody say this he says if it was the blood of Jesus Christ upon the cross that cleansed us from all sin I said that criminal was the first recipient of that that violent man that had done all the stuff that he'd done he was almost the first recipient of it but that's unfair it's unfair on the good people it's unfair on all the people maybe who'd kept all the religious rules and kept actually we got violent and we hadn't killed anybody and we hadn't done all this suffering towards other people and yet as Jesus dies on the cross he's not the first recipient he's this thief on the cross that prays a prayer Lord remember me when you come into your throne and you know what we would have done because let's be honest I know we're in church but let's be honest had we been in that situation or in a similar situation we would have turned around when he prayed that prayer and says oh no we would have after what you've done after all the things that you've done wrong you're getting crucified for a reason we would have turned around and said that we'd have pointed the finger and said look at all the suffering you've caused on other people look at the violence you've caused against other people look at all the things that you've done that would have been us so I think God may think thank God it wasn't us that it was his son Jesus Christ and he comes here at this last moment and he makes a promise to him and he simply says he says listen you'll be with me today in paradise he says what a, what a promise there not just remember me and Jesus saying you know well yeah okay then he says Jesus gives him that sort of specific detail of what will happen oh it's so unfair isn't it it's so unfair this guy's lived his whole life the way he wants to and you know suddenly he's here at the end and he just so happens to be the one that gets crucified on the cross next to the saviour of the world oh that's unfair that's not fair that he can pray that prayer remember me and Jesus answers him somebody said this and I thought it was a great quote that there was one deathbed conversion in the bible so that no one would despair but only one so that no one would presume it's never too late but it is too late um, once we're gone from this world so we can't presume but we needn't despair either for that opportunity to accept Christ as a saviour is there while we have breath in our body and you see Jesus answered the second criminal uh, far beyond his expectation because grace meets us but it takes us beyond our expectation 
says, why on earth would God show grace towards us? Why on earth would he display and demonstrate his love towards me and you? But he does. But he does. And you see, we can talk about the love and the forgiveness and the mercy of God. But grace hits that brick wall again, doesn't it? Where it's like, how do we get past this? It's unmerited favor, this unmerited uh, acceptance that God gives us. That simply says, because if I could do something, then I would. That's the nature of what we would be like. We, we could do something that we would. That there are other religions that sort of put conditions on people to say, you know, listen, if you can do this and achieve this and live this way and stuff and practice this discipline and employ that principle into your life, then, hey, you'll be accepted by whatever God it is that you choose to worship. God does none of that. He simply takes Jesus and he puts him into skin and he says, you're going to live this way. Uh, you become a man, so you're tempted in every way, yet you did not sin. And he says, actually, what's going to happen at the end is you're going to go uh, to the cross for the sins of the world. That does not make any sense. Why do we just pay for our own? Why do we not just come to the end of our lives and we just get weighed up in a sense? You know, Matt Davis good bad this is bad probably more bad you know he says you know they're more bad before I was a pastor maybe and he says why don't we just weigh that up and say you know what actually you've done more bad than good so you know where you're going that's you off you go eternal God doesn't do that he doesn't weigh it upon any scales he just simply looks at his son and he simply says well if you've accepted what he has done on the cross imagine that there's a cross there that his blood is shed for you so you can be forgiven. I mean, and, and well, but, but come on, let me earn it. Let me do something for it. Let me, let, me, let me pay for it. Let me live a life of sacrifice. Let me live a life of service because that's what some people do. You know, there's a very famous film called The, the Mission with Robert De Niro in it. And uh, it was made, and I remember watching it as a young fella. Uh, and, and, you know, the, in the film, Robert De Niro, he, he, he accidentally kills this fellow priest. And he can't deal with the guilt and the shame that, that he's got in his life because of this. And so he tries to deal with it in, in, in so many different ways. And you see one of the images of him, uh, of his, him he carrying this net of boulders, of weight, of burden, of trying to carry up this mountain because he's trying to deal with his sin and his guilt and his shame. And this is the way he's doing it. Because we'll come up with lots of different ways. And the film illustrated to me, I thought, man, you know, we would try and do that, wouldn't we? That would be us. We would be like, you know, if I could just, you know, sort of punish myself, if I could just make myself unhappy, if I could do something, if I could give more to charity, or if I could be kinder to people, or if I could do that, but none of that gets us to where we need to be. None of that is what is displayed here on the cross with Jesus Christ, which is his grace. And he just simply says, come on. And I'm like, no, I, I want to do something to anybody. Come on, it's a stumbling block. How could we do that? How could we work this out? But it's what God has done in Christ Jesus. And he illustrates it here on the cross with this thief. In the last few breaths of his life, when the thief prays a prayer, and we see this illustration, this demonstration of the grace of God. You see, the thief on the cross 
had some distant time in mind and Jesus told him today almost like you know if somebody wants something and you say well yearn it or maybe further down the line or those of us who've got kids when they were younger you know if you behave yourself for a while you'll get what you've asked for that never works does it ever but we would do that spiritually and Jesus could have done that and he said well let's see how things go you know I mean let's say he doesn't do that he says promises him today and then the thief on the cross he says only he asked only to be remembered and Jesus simply said well you will be with me I mean how unfair is that you're waiting for me to say praise the Lord aren't you and it's not I'm like how unfair is that this is our last minute last few breaths and Jesus gives him that promise says you'll be with me he says hold on a second Jesus can I just give you the list of the stuff that this guy has done can I just tell you you know the violence and suffering the making people miserable you know he's getting executed here for a reason but there's a grace of God he just simply says well you'll be with me and he goes on from that point he's with them and almost like you could see and we saw it in the video illustrated in the video was you know you could see that, that Jesus is there and you know I'm going extra biblical a little bit but I'm saying to himself it's like you know you would have thought the first person he comes in and he said he's the he's he's the best behaved person he's the person that you know suddenly he's done everything right and he's kept the laws and he's kept the rules he never hurt anybody but he hasn't experienced my love and my grace but I'm bringing him in now I mean that's not the picture here it's like Jesus is there and he says you'll be with me in paradise he says today and there's a picture of he said you know he's a violent hardened criminal who was executed at the side of me but he just simply prayed this prayer he says listen when you get to your kingdom where you're going he says I believe that you are the son of God I believe you are who you say you are will you remember me oh and his prayer was just answered and Jesus says well today you'll be with me in paradise and he's the first one that turns up the shed blood is there you know for him as he as he turns up but also it's like the acceptance and you know you're looking at it and thinking could you not pick somebody else do you know what I mean he says look at this fella you know he's coming today and he's the one that's there but there could be no more greater description of the grace of God that this is who Christ shed his blood for and this is who God accepts because Christ has shed his blood and so the thief on the cross thirdly looked only for a kingdom Jesus promised him paradise and it's sad because the other thief missed out on all of this Whatever he may have come to represent, whatever he may have come to symbolise, he, 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 he could have missed out. He missed out on all of this. You know, and the other thief comes here and there are three quick things that we see that he's an example of as we come to close. The first one is this. We see his repentance. And you say to yourself, well, how do you see all of this, you know? He says, you know, there, were, there was no altar call. There was no... Everybody close their eyes. And listen, we like to get saved, put your hand in the air. He couldn't put his hand in the air, it was nailed to a cross. He says, how did he repent? How did he do all of that? And, and you know, we made it hard sometimes for people, difficult for people, you know, because we've said we've got to come all these things through. And yet here, that he repents because he simply recognised first, one, that he was being punished for the evil he had done. And he was being justly punished for his sins. He wasn't arguing that, oh, I'm, I'm innocent. That, that was somebody else. It was either did it. I am being wrongly punished here. 
you know, that, that I'm being, he, he said that, but he repented and he recognized that. But then he did this, he, you could see his good works as well. And he said, well, does that play a part? Well, yes, of course it does. Because what did he do to the other thief? Even in the midst of his own agony, he witnesses to the other thief. We don't know how close they are. We don't know if they're related. We don't know if they knew each other. They're just witnesses to him. The first gospel message, in a sense, he's there on the cross. When he says, this man's done nothing wrong. And, you know, we know what he's going to do. But he said, listen, you're getting what you deserve. And says, he's innocent. And we see that, but his good works is he truth. And then he does the third thing, which he says, he shows faith. And he simply does this. He turns to the Lord. And he asks Christ to remember him when he comes to his kingdom. The most wonderful prayer, as I say, that could be prayed. Whatever it is that's happening in our lives. Lord, remember me. That's it, isn't it? Lord, remember me. I mean, what a wonderful prayer we can pray. But he prays it. And he shows that illustration of the grace and mercy of God. That we have experienced. And we'll never fully understand it. If you fully understand it, you haven't quite grasped it. Because why would God send his son, whom he loves, for somebody like me? I use this illustration and I shared a little bit of my testimony last week. I was 19 years old. I was angry at God about stuff that had happened when I grew up. It says, my kids aren't here so I can share this part of the story. I went out that night and I got violently drunk. I mean, violently drunk to the point I didn't sort of know what I was doing. Wanted to fight everybody. You know what it's like, don't you? Some of you know what it's like. Sorry. (laughs) And I remember it was snowing. And I remember just being so angry at God that I'd ended up in the snow. I don't know, I didn't die of hypothermia. And I remember being in the snow, screaming up at God just how angry I was with him just the curse words that came out just everything embarrassed and ashamed to be honest with you that I would come out with those sort of words I'm not going to repeat them but you'd imagine what it was like just the slurred and the words that came out at that point being violently drunk cursing God telling him I had no interest in him didn't want any point and I'm always reminded at that point when I hated God so much, it was then that he loved me so much. Wow. That's grace, isn't it? I mean, that's grace. I mean, there's no other way about it. Ashamed and embarrassed that I would have done that. But the picture of grace as I, as I said what I said and I'd done what I'd done, he says, at that point, he couldn't love me anymore. And at that point, I didn't know the verse in Romans 5 verse 8. But God has demonstrated his love for us. And while we were still sinners, he died for us. I couldn't be any further away from him at that point. Any further away. That's a point that he died for me. And I thought, wow, wow, wow. That's all I can say. That's the grace of God. And there will be pictures and stories in each of our lives. I like that. Philip Yancey says this. I was going to say my favorite Christian book is the Bible, but my second favorite Christian book is a book called What's So Amazing About Grace. And it's been my favorite book, it's 20 years old now over, and I've read it several times. And if you want to be challenged by grace, Christ has done, this is a book to read. 
And Philip Yancey writes this, he says, Jesus forgave a thief dangling on a cross, knowing full well the thief converted out of plain fear. The thief would never study the Bible, never attend a synagogue or church, and never make amends to those he had wronged. He simply said, Jesus, remember me, and Jesus promised, today you will be with me in paradise. It was another shocking reminder that grace does not depend on what we have done for God, but rather, but rather, what God has done for us. Now, powerful, powerful statement. Let us take a moment just to close our eyes as we come to pray. Father God, as we stand in church, as we're in church tonight, Father, as we conclude this sermon series, the message is not concluded because the message is still the message that the world needs to hear. That Christ died for our sins, was buried and rose again. And Father, as we come to this journey, this journey continues on. It's just this bit that finishes. And God, we thank you for your grace. We, we couldn't earn it, work for it, and we don't deserve it, definitely. But Father, the thief on the cross teaches us some powerful, valuable lessons. And Father God, there is nobody in this place tonight that is too far from you. There is nobody that you cannot reach tonight. And I pray, Father, as you stir hearts by your spirit, that Father God, if there's people in here that just simply need to get right with you, just simply need to say, you know what, I've heard this tonight. I can't do anything but just come to the cross and accept what's been done for me because you love them. And Father, we pray for them tonight, Father. And Father, we pray there will be a conversation afterwards, Father God. We pray, Father God, that even if there's one in the house tonight, the Father wants to give their life to you, that wants to say, I'm sick of living the way I'm living. He says, God has the answer and he is the answer. Well, we pray for them tonight, Father. But Father, we thank you for your amazing grace has touched so many lives in here, Father. The Father, there was a point in all of our lives we're so far away from you. And God, at that point, you couldn't love us any more than you did. And we thank you for that tonight. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. In Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
just as we're in just an attitude of prayer, just sense that there's something that somebody needs to hear in him. God has forgiven you. He's forgiven you. And when he forgives you, he, he takes that sin of whatever you've done wrong, the guilt and the shame, and he throws it in, in a sense of sin forgetfulness because he chooses not to remember he says he, he chooses not to remember so there were people in here it was only illustration of the film and people trying to carry the burden and the bag of the weight saying if I could just do this for so long then I'll, I'll be accepted I'll be forgiven you won't be because there's only one way to be forgiven there's only one way to get rid of the burden there's only one way to get rid of the shame and the guilt that you are carrying around and listen you don't need to carry it around so this is why Christ went to the cross and I just think somebody needs to hear that tonight cut the rope of the burden cut the rope of the burden Christ has paid the price he has paid the price there was nothing else to be paid but it is finished paid in full nothing else no extra payment no interest on the payment
that's the story of the cross. A long may that continue that people's lives get changed and God ministers to people. And we're just, listen, we're just going to come and close in prayer. So I know there were still some of the people that maybe don't want to come out publicly. So there'll be a few of us elders at the back tonight. And listen, if you would like to talk privately or you would like us to pray for you privately, listen, uh, there are plenty of rooms in the church we can just come and just share with you. So please don't go home wasting the opportunity. Don't go home thinking, I wish I had spoken to, to, to one of them. I wish I'd got one, somebody to pray with me. He says, God is here. Father, we thank you tonight. Thank you for sending your son. The message of the cross is lives changed by your son, Christ Jesus. Thank you for your grace. And Father, we, we ask that you, Father, you just continue, Father, to keep ministering to people. The Father, we just ask that we don't believe we've finished yet. But Father, those who just require prayer, those who just want to do that privately, we pray, Father God, a stirring spirit in their lives at the moment Father but Father we have no other answer and we don't know other answer just to point people to 